Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Hey everyone, and welcome to No BS Engineering. I'm here with my great friends, and we are going to talk about one of the most exciting topics about new developers. Different types of companies, different types of organizations, and what sort of activities you can perform in each one of these. So if you're just starting your first job, or if you're going to transition to, say, your second job, it would be best if you know what sort of company you're looking for. So, uh, Kyle, what I've done here is I've kind of pre-selected five different criteria that we are kind of comparing companies by. And based on that, we can kind of discuss what's our experience, yours and mine alike, in different organizations. How do we differentiate people in those organizations and business models and everything along those lines? So Sounds like first fun. Type, yeah, absolutely. The first kind of type of... Uh, you know, breakdown is startups and small companies versus large corporations. Your take on that, sir? I've worked in both. Um, and I'm one of those developers that like structure. Um, startup life is not my, not my friend, okay? Um, I know it is a great fit for a lot of people and I'm not, I'm not one of those that say it's a bad thing. Um, for those that it works for, man, it works great for them. I'm much more of a mid-sized to enterprise, and I've worked in enterprise um, level um, companies, and, and really, really, I thrive in um, those larger type companies. Um, it's just I, I like the structure, you know, and it, they seem to have those things figured out. Yeah, corporations are definitely uh, better structured. Uh, I actually gave a similar talk to a college I'm, you know, a season speaker at, and we kind of had to break this down into, you know, the work environment, for example, you know, startups have a more dynamic one, multinational companies and large organizations, as you said, better structure. Hierarchy is something else which is fairly important. Like we have flat hierarchy for startups simply because they're you know, you can't afford five different tiers of managers if you're a 20, 30, 50 people team, but you definitely have a lot more organization in place for larger corporations, which means a lot more talking, a lot more people, a um, lot more emails, board meetings, and lot, lots of other stuff. Decision-making, you know, happens fast at startups, requires a lot of sign-offs at uh, organizations, um, and things like that. I think it's uh, kind of important for... Um, everyone to understand this, especially for juniors, for uh, people who are just, you know, graduating or um, who are looking for an internship or looking for an entry-level job. It's really important to understand the different uh, working style across small and large businesses and the other categories that we're discussing and kind of make a decision based on that once, you know, people are able to make a decision. Because once again, as we also discussed in the previous episode, when you're a beginner, especially in times of COVID, it's harder to find a job opportunity most of the time simply because, uh, again, with remote, it's harder to get the, the proper type of training. Yeah. Um, the second, I'm going to hop onto the second category and then we may kind of come up with some formal conclusion. So we do have, let's say, R&D companies versus maintenance shops. So my kind of definition is R&D companies are generally companies doing more innovation or like building new frameworks or like 
you know, the SpaceX's of the world or companies dealing with, let's say, machine learning, big data, AI, whatever it is. Well, maintenance companies are mostly, you know, fixed business model doing support work or like maintaining a 30-year-old bank software because there are, like most companies fall closer into one of those areas, right? Either more R&D or more maintenance. So uh, how do you see the market in that segment? You know, these days, uh, first, I've, I've got to interject. Um, Elon, I know you listen to us on a regular basis. If you're ever looking for a half-assed WordPress developer, I am your man, okay? Give me a holler, okay? <laughs> I know you listen. Anyhow, um, um, I think that there's even in uh, – let me have a cohesive thought. I think that there is in every company – a dividing line between um, new tech or R&D and maintenance. Now, you brought up banking, and banking software is one of those that we all assume this stuff was written in COBOL 50 years ago, and it's still running. But even in banking, you've got uh, mobile first and all these new initiatives that I would say that even in banking, you've probably got 30 40% of the development in, um, initiatives are new software because they've got some old stuff out there. And quite honestly, um, there's a lot of stuff that if it's working, um, don't mess with it type situation. Um, because they've already got this stuff working, they've still got to do maintenance on that. Otherwise, you get code rotten. Nobody wants that. But I, I think that I don't entirely agree that a company is either R&D or um um, maintenance. I would say your, your example of SpaceX is probably spot on because um, SpaceX is not old enough to have a lot of um, old code. So they, they don't know for maintenance. So they're probably, I would say, more in the 80-20 split of R&D and maintenance. Me personally, I like the R&D. Um, I've hired people that they just wanted to do the maintenance. They wanted to work on the existing application and keep it running. And I, I I applaud those people. They're heroes in my book. But me, I'm always looking for something new. Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. And you're back. I did drop off and I'm not sure why. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know either. Anyhow, um, I, you dropped off right as I finished my thought. So um, I, I think my, my to, to wrap up, I think that there is um, both of them, in, or both R&D and maintenance in almost every, situ every company out there that has any tech whatsoever. Yeah, I think that uh, there's definitely a good balance between R&D and maintenance in every company. It's uh, more about like some companies are mostly investing in R&D and some are mostly staying on the maintenance front but you know develop, developing something else uh, on the side but okay. in any case uh, my kind of tip for people looking into these companies is because i've seen and I, i'm probably going to take it a step back and i'm going to be quick uh, essentially lots of people want to build exciting stuff 
But as you said, there's a lot of balance between like when you see an exciting company, odds are they're going to do a lot of boring stuff behind the scenes, right? And when you see a maintenance company, it may look very boring. You know, you're just doing support and doing the same thing over and over and over again. But most likely the same company are uh, same company is also going to do some R&D initiatives. And it's very important to understand that getting into the most exciting team is something that takes a lot of time. So if you are being promised as a junior or like less experienced developer, uh, a position in the most exciting team, take it you know with a grain of salt because this may not be exactly what's happening afterwards. So yeah, just keep in mind when comparing these type uh, types of companies. So the next category, and it's probably my favorite, is product businesses versus service businesses, or rather oh. companies that develop a product, be it software as a service or another exciting desktop product, versus service-based companies, which are you know selling services, website development, maintenance, consulting, support, and so forth. So um, if you were to recommend a job, Kyle, to a freshman, where would you send them? To a product company or a service company? If it's somebody that really wants to jump in and get involved in tech, I almost always would submit them to a service company. I would tell them, you know, that's that's where, because, you know, the services are largely, you know, and when we're talking about services, they're largely SaaS and things like that. So there's going to be a just a ton of code. And whether they're doing maintenance or new development, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. That's not to say that product companies are any less, or if you've got an opportunity uh, with a product company, you shouldn't take it. But if I'm recommending a junior um, to take so, take one job and really be exposed to a lot of different things, I always pick a SaaS company or a service company. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm biased. I mostly run a service <laughs> company and have been for a while now. But the reason I do that is essentially diversity and excitement. Uh, the fact that we can work on various things at the same time in parallel, uh, we can learn a lot. We can actually invest in, you know, integrating some stuff that we don't have to maintain a five-year-old project that has to be ported across all operating systems and blah, blah, blah. So for me, this is more exciting and something that uh, drives, me, drives me quite a lot. I learn a lot more, I learn faster, I get better insights from different plants and different industries. However, it is a more demanding uh, place. Oh, yeah. It is the type of industry that you're burning out a lot more sooner than in a product company. And, you know, certain opportunities are also not possible in a service company as well. Like, you know, you're restrained by a number of hours you can hit or like you have a monthly, monthly contract or like some backlog that you have to cut corners every now and then. And unfortunately, this is the case. While in some product companies and in some divisions, you have more time to do R&D and planning and optimization and some other things. Hmm. So once again, there are pros and cons in different companies in, in terms of moving real fast and learning a ton. The service company is definitely going to give you unlike a product company, but in terms of stress and in terms of like sometimes and oftentimes having to cut corners because, you know, it's uh, it's a tough job itself, then a product company is generally more easygoing for uh, uh, new people and not just new people, more experienced people as well. Mm-hmm. Now, category number four is technical versus non-technical companies. For example, a business that's, you know, mostly about tech, they build a tech product, tech solution, or like some form of engineering versus, let's say, a library, a media house, publishing software house, or anything like that. So what about the opportunities if if someone is joining either of those kind of areas? 
I'm going to disagree with you um, because, I, and I forget who it was. It's not Mark Cubain. Um, he was the one that said software is eating the world. But um, one of the um, the great thinkers, the demigods of our industry, uh, basically said about 10 years ago, there's no such thing as a non-software company. Everybody is doing software these days. Um, even my local coffee shop has designers designing websites and a developer that is working on things in the background, and they're actually developing software. So it's a, I, I know I'm, I'm um, splitting hairs here, but I, I don't think that there is really a non-technical, my plumber, when they come out, they take pictures with their iPhone and submit it back up to their ticketing system so that yeah. they can prove that the job was done. They take before and after shots and all this. And, you know, they show them to me, hey, look, this is what we did and all this. So, you know, even the mundane software has invaded. So every company is a software company. Um, the, the, but to get to answer your question, companies that focus on software, okay, that this is their primary um, yeah. product, those are going to be much more tech savvy, but they're also going to be much more, they're going to burn developers out faster. Um, companies that tend to be less pro, uh, software focused um, are not going, in my opinion, or in my experience, they don't burn through developers as fast. They, um, they, they, they are not used to the internet time of um, software development. I mean, I was up last night till um, 10, 30, 11 o'clock working on a problem. I mean, and when I say that, I, I worked from 8 a.m. till about 11.30 with a break for lunch and a break for dinner um, just on this one problem because I created a problem in production. I had to fix that problem in production. So, um, you know, when and software development companies understand that. That's, that's part of the job. Um, Non-software companies, and I've worked for mail order companies and things like that, don't tend to be that way. And so if you are looking for quality of life, you know, maybe a company that doesn't focus on software but needs some software development is going to be your best bet. On the other hand, if writing code is what you love doing, you're going to have much more opportunity at a um, software-driven company. Yeah, um, I share a similar, um, you know, opinion, and I, I've kind of seen different things across both both spectrums. On one hand, we do have, um, you know, technical companies once again they're going to burn through their through developers faster because they understand the space, they can push through the space, and I mean they can maximize productivity and efficiency. However, the other perk is that in a technical company, if tech is all you care about, you're going to have more opportunity because it's all about tech. You're going to have access to more experienced talent in the space and with more people you can learn from, you're going to get uh, better sign-offs from management for smart technological solutions because, once again, this is the core and uh, the bread and butter of the business. Yeah. However, I've also worked in two non-technical companies back in the day and, um, you know, one of them I was excited about. It was in publishing. It was a media house. Uh, again, I wasn't able to learn a lot uh, simply because the tech team wasn't 
you know, large enough and I've seen some crappy code there. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, it was exciting, you know, working with journalists and photographers and editors and ad people and direct salespeople in the same space. I learned a lot about the space and I'm excited about it. So it was something I really cared about. So it, it was exciting. The other type of business was in real estate. While it was also, as you said, every business is technical after all, and it was a technical product after all. But I was just not excited about the real estate space. I'm not going to lie. It was just, you know, dreadful working on something that you couldn't care less about. I mean, yep. you either don't look for real estate or if you look, you just want some numbers and you want a good offer. And that's what I care about. Not MOSs and all sorts of integrations and businesses and the National Bureau of Real Estate and that kind of stuff. But yeah. And the last one, which also has an overlap and we're going to wrap up after is vendors versus in-house. Like if you are to work in a, an agency type of business versus working directly within a business, like what would you say the main differences are? How you're treated. Um, and I am in this situation right now. Uh, I work with a freelance agency. They have placed me with a client. This client is very good about the way they treat their contractors because they have... Um, I'm estimating probably about a third of their workforce is contract at some point um, yeah. in the, the process. So they understand how to do this. But at the end of the day, I'm a contractor. I'm not a full-time employee. So there are things that I don't, I'm not made, uh, things that are not made available to me that are available to um, full-time employees. Full and I'm not talking just benefits. Okay. Yeah. I don't get healthcare um, benefits. I don't get vacation. I get paid for every hour I work, that kind of stuff. But um, there are cultural or benefits of being part of the culture that I don't get to partake of. And um, part of that makes me a little sad, but I understand. Um, and it, it's the trade-off that I make. I, you know, the other hand, you know, um, I, I, I teach scuba diving. So tomorrow, I'm not working, sitting here in front of the computer. I'm teaching um, two gentlemen how to go swim with the fishes and live to tell the tale. So, uh, you know, the, it's a balancing act. Um, and it's not right for every. There's no one right choice for everybody. Um, Full-time employment is great for some people. And some people thrive in that. And they love that. Other people really want the freedom of um, being able to walk away when necessary. I had a friend of mine way back in the day who would do contract work and he would work nine months of the year and then take the other three off and, and go do something. And it, he didn't work, you know, the first nine months, he would yeah. basically take the summer off and just would not work. He had a kayak and then eventually a sailboat and he had made enough money during the other nine months. He just didn't have to. And um, I admired him because he wasn't married, so he didn't have um, responsibilities and he could do some things like that. But, um, it, you know, there, there's no right or wrong answer um, for everybody. There's the answer for you. But I would say if you're going to do contract work, make sure you understand it first. And maybe that means dipping your toe in it and doing little um, moonlighting and stuff like that and getting used to it and making sure it's for you before you quit your day job. Yeah. And I'm going to add some, uh, you know, some additional flavor to this. So in-house, we already clarified that, you know, you're giving full autonomy, but you're also, you know, under the you know, legislation of this company, I would say, under their jurisdiction. 
so I would say that vendorship, aside from contracting, which is or consulting for them, is one sort of things. If you're doing freelancing or if you're working in an agency, working with multiple clients, you have some diversity and you can learn more from different clients and you can, you know, scale and in general learn more about working with different teams and different majors in different organizations in different again kind of team structures which for me is definitely a possible benefit if you do care about this at all plus again it requires better self-management skills so if you're passionate about that you can develop it if you're not then it's really better to just be in-house and collocated and like probably a product company enterprise usually kind of the safest bet when it comes to employment so those are kind of the five categories here. And uh, once again, thanks again for listening to this latest episode of No BS Engineering. Kyle and I are super thrilled to have you. And if you like this episode and if you like the show, please go rate, subscribe, review, give us a five-star or so comment if you're feeling you know, generous today because you're definitely giving the most out of us what we can on your favorite podcasting platform or YouTube or whatever else you're listening to. And if you have any ideas, please find us on Twitter or uh, our website, you know, Mario Peshev and Kyle Evans. You can look us up because we are always looking for new topics to cover in addition to our show. Yep. So thanks again for listening and have a good one. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.